Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in on this special Tuesday edition of Slow Your Roll. I'm Dominic Lorenzano alongside always Yaki Way report writer Jesse Caulfield. And we are here on a Tuesday for you guys. Jesse, we're getting uh, we're getting a little cocky, huh? Taking a day off and doing this a day later already. <laughs> it's been a busy week. A lot of stuff going on. Yes. In our lives. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to have a whole thing on tap today. We got our New Orleans reporter down there, my friend Carell Johnson, who will come in and talk about the Saints, the vibe down there in New Orleans about them. He'll come on, talk some NBA, and uh, we're going to rip him a little bit over the Philadelphia Eagles in that preseason game also because that was uh, that was a disaster. On top of that, we're going to be talking Red Sox, their slide kind of continuing, although they at least got bailed out yesterday with that big win. Patriots and Mac Jones, 35 nothing over the Eagles in that preseason game. We'll tell you what that really means. And we will be introducing a new segment on the show today called Call In the Fat Lady, where we decide if particular teams or players or whatever it is, if their season or career is over yet, if it's safe to call it all that and more for you on today's show. But from that, I'm going to take it to Jesse Caulfield to take it away, to get us started on the opening rant segment. Take it away, Jesse. Thank you, Dominic. That was lovely. Uh, If you haven't heard already, we're pretty big Red Sox fans here. Uh, We talk about them a lot. We can't have all shelves. However, in being big fans... We have emotions, we have feelings, we have thoughts, and I have a lot about what the Red Sox have done over the past few weeks as a fan, and I'm not happy. You know, we came into this season, last year was awful. Last year was absolutely awful, but there was a reward. We got a great draft pick, so we're going to look to the future. That usually can take a few years, and I was okay with that. I was okay with that. I was in, you know, in a few years, maybe we'll be a good team. We'll be a good team for a while if we take our time and do it correctly. So I didn't have a lot of expectations this season. When you sign guys like Kike Hernandez, Hunter Renfro, uh, you're kind of filling roster spots. There was nothing. You're going with Pavetta, Eduardo, Rodriguez, who had no idea what he was going to get from this season. It's not been great. Uh, But... No expectations. Cora came back. That was nice. Uh, But it was going really well, actually. There was ideas that maybe we'll make the playoffs even. The division? What? No. It was going very well. With With a guy like Kike Hernandez leading it off. The middle of the order was going great. It was kind of being led by those guys. The With Bogart's... Devers, Martinez, playing a little above what we expect. Uh, And the uh, pitching was going, I think, very above what any of us expected. Bullpen as well. You know, you bring in guys like Ottavino. I like Ottavino, but he wasn't really good for the Yankees. Uh, I was okay with throwing money at him just to see. Maybe you can revive him, and it went pretty well. And I still like him. Let's not trash Ottavino, Dom. I know you'd like to. Um, We had Matt Barnes as the closer. And I always had a lot of problems with that. But whatever. This was just a year that we're just going to try things. And it was going really well. But I always felt, I would hope, I think we all felt that this was inevitable, that he was going to come crashing down. And I think he is a big part of why this. If you can't close out a game, even when, like, your offense did barely enough against the Texas Rangers yesterday, 
You should have beat them up more than you did. Heck, you got beat up one game. Uh, and Matt Barnes couldn't close it out. Against the Texas Rangers, who are, what are they, 48 and 80 right now or something? I don't know. They're, they're statistically the worst offense in baseball. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? Like, then the trade deadline came. You know, we were really good going in. We were actually at halfway the point season. I want I make sure I wanted to put this in there. Halfway point of the season, 81 games played. You were on a 101. Actually, no, excuse me, 102 win pace. 51 wins in 81 games. That means 30 losses. That's great. You were leading the division. I don't remember exactly by how much it was back then. Uh, you know, it was never big. But, like, you were competing for this division. You're hoping for the wild card now. They were, As you said, they were on pace at that point to win 102. Yes. Yeah. That's the division win most of the time. Uh, and so when the trade deadline comes, you... I was okay. Dom, I said... I said... I was okay with nothing because of how much of a gift this season was. I wanted nothing. But if you were going to go for it, go for it. There was talks of Rizzo. You know, that does first base. Maybe you have him lead off instead of Kike. Uh, that's a lefty power bat. You know, that could do... That could be pretty good. But you also needed... You know, Chris Sale was going to come back. That's nice. That's good. But you needed pitching somewhere if you wanted it. If you wanted to go deep, you wanted. Instead, you made your bullpen worse with Hansel Robles. Like, you traded Michael Chavis away for a guy with an ERA of almost six to the Pirates. Like, what are you doing? What is this plan? You got Schwarber instead of Rizzo. Like, all right, that's a decent bat, but they can't play first base. He cannot play first base. Now you have Trav. You brought. You admitted that you needed first base when you brought in Travis Shaw now. And I, you know, I like Travis Shaw. He's a nice guy. Nice man. He, he played pretty well for us when he was here. He had a decent season or two. He was electric in Milwaukee. But, like, you're literally bringing him here to play, to catch the ball at first base. That's it. That's all you're bringing him here to do. And, yeah, he got the walk-off yesterday. You have to do. That was nice. It, why did it have to happen? It didn't. Because Matt Barnes ruined it. So why does this, what is the point of this, Dom? This is literally you took a season that was a gift. And if you were going to go for it, you needed to go for it. And you didn't. You, can I say it? Starts with an A. Yeah, go for it. You half-assed it. <laughs> and you went for stuff. You're like, maybe. But you didn't. You literally gave up. Because when Tampa went for Nelson Cruz, that is saying, we're going for it. You want this division? You got to fight us for it. You want to make this World Series? Fight us for it. And they were like, how about Schwarber? And, like, you know, that's maybe, heck, even an upgrade in terms of bat. If he can stay healthy, then Nelson Cruz, the aging Nelson Cruz, who can, who still's got it with the bat. But, like, that's not specifically, yeah, it was nice, but that's not exactly what you needed. You didn't need Schwarber. That's, we said it before. That's an odd fit. I was more happy if you did nothing at all, especially with what you did. And now you've. We're on we're on this cliff of is this we're teetering off this cliff of this season is almost over. The Yankees are hot. Uh, Toronto's hot. We're gonna talk about the Mariners a little later. They're hot. I know we're, Oakland is struggling, but they're still in it. So Dom, 
What do you have to say about all this? That was a lot. That was a little messy. But like, I'm fired up. I get it. And and so my thing is, just to, to re-put everything together, your thing is they put on a facade of trying to go for it instead of really going for it. That was a great way to put that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So the, to a, try to appease the fan base, they tried to just be like, no, we're totally going for it. Yeah, but I don't but know we if, all know they weren't really trying to go for it. I don't know it. if that was and Chime, John, if that was John Henry. I, I have it, a guess. I, we, I think we all know who probably it was. I think it was John Henry because I think Henry wanted to stay under the luxury tax. I think that's what John cared about at the end of the day because John had been given the gift of a good Whoa. season. And so his ticket sales and revenue were really, really good because the team was winning. So he was like, I care about staying under the luxury tax because I'm making my money still on the fact that the team is winning. Because we've seen John Henry then change that tune when they're not winning because he needs that, you know, he wants that extra revenue again because Fenway's not sold out anymore. They're not selling as much. You know what I mean? But they were winning. So he has the luxury of just saying, mm, stay under the luxury tax. I will say this. You're angry and, you're, you know, your you're little angry Boston Boston uh, sports fan came out today. Do you Do you think that this team's not making the playoffs now? No, I still think they could. I still there was two wild card spots. I still think they could. Okay. Yes. Um, and we we've talked about they have. Do they have the easiest schedule remaining? I know no. it's one of the easiest. No, 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 no. It's um. So there's a we have a ranking of all the remaining team schedules. Red Sox rank twenty second. Uh, in baseball and by the way if you're a first that means you have the hardest schedule left okay. so you want to be at the bottom of that list okay so they have a pretty easy schedule coming up but like you didn't look very good you won the series you unfortunately won. the Yankees have the 24th uh-huh uh, mm. uh Seattle Mariners at 16 and the Oakland Athletics at least have the second hardest schedule remaining the A's have not played good baseball lately and despite the Sox struggles uh, the Sox are back in command of the second wild card spot as we speak right now today. Thanks, Texas. But again, you didn't look good against Texas. You lost big that one game. I know you won two out of three. It was supposed to be a four-game series. Um, but that hurricane, if you want to call it that, mm-hmm. that storm. Uh, but like you're not look, you don't look good. You just got hammered. By the Yankees. You look terrible in that series. You really did. Um, you can't beat Toronto, which, like, is a team struggling also right now, but they got your number, it seems, all year, even before they upgraded. You can't beat Tampa. Like, and these are the teams. These are your division teams. These are the teams you are going to play a lot down the stretch. And yeah, they have two series left against the Rays still, including a four-game series. Yeah, and you are also... There's three games against the Mariners. That's not a lot, but they have, you know... You are the team they are chasing right now. They are going to put, they're going to give you a lot in that series. Yeah, I will say this. The Sox at least have three games left against the Twins, six games against the Indians, six against Baltimore. Three, and you might be playing a desperate Mets team. Three against the National. No, I think the Mets are going to be, because the, they get the Mets near the very end of the year, and I think the Mets will be out of it by then completely. The Mets have already fallen so far. They're, they're about five and a half games back of the wild card spot. Mm-hmm. That's but how still. that's how bad the Mets have gotten. I mean, I got the stats in front of me for when we go over that uh, a little bit later. But the Mets are atrocious. They've had losing streaks, multiple losing streaks over the second half of five and four games. 
So the Mets have been terrible, and I think by the time they play them, they'll be out of it. Oakland's second hardest schedule remaining. They have four against the Yankees, three against the Blue Jays, three against the White Sox, seven games against Seattle, and six against Houston still remaining. And that's them already not playing good uh, the past week. So I do think the Red Sox are still making the playoffs. But I do get I your think point. you are making that wild card game, and yes, you get that. You got to throw that confetti in the air and say we're a playoff team. But you then, it looks like you're playing the Yankees. Yeah, I, I would be in devastated. Yankee Stadium. I would be devastated if they lose the wild card game to the Yankees. Yes, you are literally setting yourself up to look like an absolute clown. Maybe I will say this about the Yankees. By the way, that's the team that fleeced you for Anthony Rizzo. That too. I will say this though about the Yankees. The Yankees are on a 10 game win streak and still only lead by two and a half games over the Sox. So you know that's going to come crashing down eventually. And we've talked about last week, we talked about how we still don't think we really trust the Yankees. I don't. I think, but I, I trust right now that head to head matchup, it's all Yankees. And maybe right now. You're going to get, in all likelihood, Garrett Cole in that one game. Hmm. And we, you know, I, I talked about. I'm going to change my opinion. I talked about before. I don't trust the Yankees in that one game against you, against us. Yeah, we have not looked good against Garrett Cole this season, even without his sticky stuff. Hmm. Um, but do I trust the Yankees against? Because then you're probably playing the Rays. Hmm. Winner gets to lose to the Rays. Yippee ki yay! <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. Well, I think that's that's good for the opening segment. We're going to go off, you know, on the Sox, making that facade about trying to go for it, which, you know, in general was my opening rant for this show also, which I was a little annoyed they didn't go for it more. Um, but we'll go turn it over to some rapid-fire news real quick here. Do-do-do. Rapid-fire. Red Sox, two and four uh, since we last did this show last Monday. Uh, luckily, they got bailed out yesterday after Barnes blew it. With the walk-off grand slam from newcomer, his second time around here in Boston, Travis Shaw. Huge walk-off because, man, if they had lost 2-3 or three to Texas after getting swept by the Yankees, that would have been really, really bad. You don't want to say, you know, we, we don't overreact here. It's not season-ending. Nothing like that, but it would, have been, it would have been quite a blow to morale. So, yeah, so they now are in command of that second wild card spot over Oakland. After that, Oakland 2-6 and six since we did this show on Monday. Uh, they're not playing good baseball at all, and they continue. And, and the rough stretch for them is going to continue. They just lost the late-inning game to Seattle yesterday. Uh, over in the National League, the Padres have found themselves out of a playoff spot for the first time all season. One in five they have been since we did this show on Monday. Uh, they are one game back at the second wildcard spot after just losing to the Reds. Uh, the Reds are five and two since we did this show last. Second wildcard spot the Reds have locked up for the first time this season. So from baseball, we turn it over some, to some sadder news. Jimmy Hayes, 31-year-old uh, native from George Chester and former Bruins player, played with the Panthers as well, um, has died unexpectedly recently. So not not good news there out of the NHL and, and the best to his family here, and uh, you know, a native here of, uh, of the Boston area who went on to play for the Bruins in the NHL, gone at just 31 years of age. Um. Over the uh, to the gridiron, four different reports from four different reporters coming in. Dak Prescott will likely not even be 100% going into the season this year, and we hate to bang on the Cowboys more, but, oh, man, it's, it's really not looking good in Dallas over there. 
not not at all. So four different reports coming in that Dak will be less than 100%. They've been checked out by the medical staff from the Texas Rangers, the New York Yankees as well, because it's a shoulder injury and likely, um, I mean, it's an injury that happens to baseball pitchers a lot, and they usually put them on the shelf. Dak is going to have to play with that uh, coming into the season. So not good news there. So the next thing, the Patriots, that 35 to nothing beatdown of the Philadelphia Eagles. Mac Jones, 13 of 19 for 146 yards. Cam Noon, 8 of 9 for 103 and a touchdown. Uh, the uh, running backs, J.J. Taylor, 12 carries, 93 yards and a touchdown. And Stevenson, 15 carries, 66 yards and two touchdowns as the Patriots dismantle the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll get into the show later if we really got anything from that or not. After that game, though, Cam Newton will be banned from the Patriots facility for the next five days for violating COVID protocols. It's actually not too bad, though. Not as bad as it sounds. It was a misunderstanding where I believe he went to go get a COVID test, but he went too far away from Boston or he didn't see the team uh, hospital and doctors. He saw somebody else outside of the area. So that means that under the NFL rules, he has to go through a process of being able to be allowed back into the facilities. And uh, some, some, you know, I was going to throw this last one in since we were talking about quarterbacks and controversies. Andy Dalton booed throughout his uh, first half. He played pretty much the entire first half of the Bears game as those Chicago Bear fans really want Justin Fields to be the starting quarterback. Andy Dalton was booed throughout. Uh, but Matt Nagy and the Bears don't seem to be budging as they want Andy Dalton to be the week one starter against the Rams. So, Did you hear his quote last I, week? I did hear his quote, yes. All right. Justin Fields will be a great NFL quarterback, but this is Andy Dalton's time. It's Andy Dalton's time. Sure it is, buddy. I don't think anyone in Chicago wants to hear that, and clearly they don't because he got his brains booed out on their last preseason game. And that has been Rapid Fire News. And from this, we are going to take a quick break until we turn it over to our New Orleans reporter down there who's ready to call in and tell us all about the Saints down there and talk about many other things. Turn it over to Carl Johnson in just a sec after the break, guys. Welcome back, everyone. This is Slow Your Roll with Dominic Lorenzano and writer for the uh, YakiWayReport.com, Jesse Caulfield. And welcome back in. And we are just getting ready to get our man in from New Orleans, our reporter down there in New Orleans, calling in through Zoom, our very first uh, Zoom caller so far. All our other people have been in studio. So I'm going to turn over this man right now, Carell Johnson, my good buddy down in New Orleans. How are you doing right now, man? I'm, I'm doing all right, man. Um... You know, I, I stayed away from this whole Zoom thing for a year and a half. So um, I, I appreciate you, you know, kind of breaking me in on it real quick. Uh, well, let's hope you don't have to be broken in on it then. And this is <laughs> that kind of thing doesn't happen to everybody needed to do Zoom. Um, I'm just saying, like, I, you, you remember, as we were talking earlier, I couldn't even get the sound to work. So um, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. 
See how this goes. It's, it's tough. It's tough. But uh, by the way, I didn't even use Zoom that much actually during the pandemic. I used it about three times, but now I'm going to have to use it a ton for the show. So I didn't, I didn't, I didn't call anybody face to face. I just like sent out mass texts talking about you good, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> That's good. My man there down there, Carell in, uh, in New Orleans, he's been down there. Carell, how long have you been living down in New Orleans now? Uh, so off and on. Off and on since 2018, I come back at least once or so a year, stay for a certain amount of months, and then I dip and go somewhere else. <laughs> All right. All right. A little back and forth, but he's been down there for quite a while now. At least been there. You've been around the city. I've seen your Instagram and uh, snap, uh, well, Snapchat, so I've seen your little Instagram stories. You, you've been out in the city. You've been in um, Bourbon mostly, or have you been like mid-city uptown? I've, I've been everywhere. I'm in... I've been, if <laughs> I've during the pandemic, I mean, it's just been a pandemic, but <laughs> yeah, before, during it and before it, like I'm out there. So if it, if there's a feeling in the streets, I may feel it. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, he came, he came prepared. I told him about this a couple of weeks ago. So he said, he's going to make sure that he's, he's talking to everyone about, uh, about the saints and everything. So I know you've been, You've been asking people too to make sure you're getting that vibe <clears throat> in the city. Also, my friend here, Carell, originally from Delaware, he's close to Philadelphia, so he's a, hey. a Philly sports fan. And me and him have gone back and forth about uh, about that Philly Boston stuff. So we'll we'll do a little a little Philly talk as well. But uh, right now, Carell, what's what's the general vibe in the city that you're getting right now about the New Orleans Saints? Obviously, they just had their first preseason game. It's a bit of a mess, bunch of turnovers. Um, but what is your vibe you're feeling right now in the city on how they how they feeling about the Saints? Because usually, usually they're all about them Saints and, and very excited. So the vibe right now is is kind of missing. Um, you know, there's usually I'm seeing Saints jerseys all around. People are preparing and talking about the tailgate they're going to do in nine weeks from now, just like, they're just like excited. Um, but it seems like this time around, not so exciting, especially with the new mandates that just went through in the city. Mm -hmm. Um, people are actually giving away their season tickets. Wow. Um, yeah. Like a literal people that have season tickets is just being like, we're, we're not going to go. If the city is making us do this and that and, you know, vaccines and COVID tests and all these things just to be inside. Mm. People are literally giving tickets away. So it's kind of kind of weird. It's kind of weird right now how um, and then you add the fact that Drew Brees is gone. Nobody knows what to think anymore about their team, because if anyone knows anything about the Saints before Drew Brees, they were not great. Yeah. So, it's almost like people are waiting and hoping that they still have something to cheer for. And it's kind of sad. It's kind of sad because the city is usually buzzing around football time. And right now everybody's just kind of chilling. Hmm. That, that is shocking to hear. And, uh, you know, the first thing actually, before we go on the other thing, I like that you mentioned, you know, maybe part of it is what's going on with the city right now. Do they have restrictions in place on even if you're trying to like tailgate outside the arena, you think too? On stuff like that? 
Um, so I don't think that's so much an issue or a problem. Um, oh, 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 we lost him there for a sec. Let's see if we can uh, get him back in, in just, uh, just a few. But we seem to have lost feed there with our, our New Orleans man down there, Corral. And I think we are all set again. Little technical difficulties going on. You knew that was going to happen when I first Zoom call in uh, for the show. But Corral, you're back with us. And you were just starting to talk about um, how people were giving away some of their tickets and, you know, it has to do with excitement and also maybe some of the city stuff. They don't want to deal with it. And I was asking you if maybe is it only about in the stadium or do you think it'll rough? And will some of the rules and restrictions deal with the tailgating outside the stadium also? So I don't, I don't think the outside will be affected that much because uh, on the papers and all the, the, the things with the places that have the rules and the new mandate rules and stuff, it basically says inside. Mm-hmm. It's in, inside restaurants, inside bars, inside arenas, things like that. It's not really talking about the outside. So... I would think if, if that's the case, then they would be trying to like mandate Bourbon Street, but there's still thousands of people walking down Bourbon Street. So I'm thinking the whole tailgating outside is going to be fine. Okay. But in, inside, you're going to have to apply by certain rules. And if they don't know what the team's going to be like, I, I see maybe why some people don't want to deal with it this year. Um, and then, you know, the other part of that is you think there's probably like a general vibe in the city that. I mean, they're kind of sad because without Breeze here, it seems like maybe that Super Bowl window has closed. Yeah. So, I mean, we were talking earlier about what the Saints used to be called before Breeze got there, and they were called the Aints. And I don't think anyone wants to go back to the time where they were called the Aints. So it's almost like a fingers crossed that we're going to be good kind of thing. Mm. Um, so it's, it's literally as, as ESPN and everyone else talks about uh, the quarterbacks and what's going on, everyone here is sort of kind of keeping their ear open to what's happening also. Cause they're not sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, they're not sure as if maybe they'll have to like draft another quarterback at some point or something like that. Is that what you mean? Yeah. They're, they're just like, you know, Winston wasn't, necessarily that great the last team he was on you know the guy they got now is like a new age tim tebow so it's kind of like what do you you know what should they expect (laughs) exactly and now i'm glad you brought in the quarterback situation so i'm just gonna ask you from the people that you're seeing and talking to in the city what do you think what's the general fan base leaning towards on who they think should be the quarterback So I've heard, I've actually heard a lot of people saying they, they think maybe Winston is the guy. Um, and one guy told me, um, you know, he was riding with um, Hill and then that whole Atlanta game happened. And so like, he, I, it makes me have to like, I got to go back and watch this Atlanta game, but anyone that knows Atlanta and the saints, they are rivals. That's their huge rival is Atlanta. They literally hate Atlanta. So the fact that 
he almost lost them that game <laughs> last year, actually has stuck with some people and they go, Mm-mm, he's not, maybe he's not the guy. Mm. Okay. Okay. I'm glad that you brought that up, but, but is there, so there's that hesitation going on, but you don't think that there's at least a ton of like people who feel confident in wanting to support Jameis. They just felt like maybe that Atlanta game just made them now, like not really know and be very cautious with Taysom. Cause Taysom's loved yes. in the city, I thought for the most part. But. Oh, he's, they, they love him. They love everything that he can do. The women love him. <laughs> you know, I'm all, I'm always in the bar and they're just like chanting his name and <laughs> you know, like he, you know, I don't know, but so that's why I feel like everyone thought when he took the, the reins last year, like, okay, we're about to find out he's going to be the guy. And it seems like everyone's not so sure mm. anymore. Um, and I don't know if, if Peyton will have to invent some kind of new offense for him to, to make everyone sure and positive, because if, if they're not going to Drew Brees, when you play Drew Brees, you expected 25, 30 or more points going up on the board. Mm. Now it's like, all right, so how good does our defense have to be for us to win games if now we might only be putting up 19? Mm-hmm. You know, which is kind of what people feel with him. But with Winston, you know, he might throw four interceptions, but you might score 30 points. Yeah. So yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a whole there's a whole thing happening that people are just like, I don't know who who should we ride with. Mm. No, I, I got you on that. But and and I know that from talking to you that Taysom was loved in that city and people I guess now have their apprehensions. But I know Jameis doesn't have that kind of support, at least that Hill has in that city right now. <laughs> not as not as much, but it's the I don't know. I guess it's just the fact that he can throw the rock. He can, he can, he's got, well, I mean, if, if Michael Thomas doesn't come back, he doesn't have as many weapons, No, but, and I feel like people are thinking about that. If Michael Thomas isn't there, they're like, I don't know if Hill's going to be able to lead us to wins. They need somebody who's going to deliver that ball down the field. Mm. And if their number one receiver is not there, then, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I'm actually going to have one more question here about the Saints. What is the city's view on Michael Thomas now? Because it seems like there's some weirdness that's going on with his injury and when he decided to get the surgery and there's some people being pessimistic, I guess, skeptical, I should say, mm-hmm. that he should have been gotten that, that surgery earlier. So they don't understand why it was so late and why he might miss so much time right now. I don't know if the fans have picked up on any of this, or but... You don't, really, you don't really think so? It, so from my feeling, it almost feels like um, if you guys follow basketball, every big star in New Orleans has eventually leaves the basketball team. And so it almost, yes. feels, it almost feels like Michael Thomas is switching this to now the football field. Mm. And it's, it's so it's like New Orleans is always being disappointed by the stars. Mm-hmm. So it almost just feels like, you know, and everybody, you know, he, he seemed like a quiet guy and seemed like he took care of himself well and the teammates love him. And then all of a sudden the past season or so he's become this issue and this problem. And it's almost like people are trying to 
almost not pay attention to it. Kind of mm-hmm. like maybe he's just sad or <laughs> yeah. you know, maybe, you know, get him a <laughs> bottle or, or Baba or something and you know, warm, warm his milk up and hopefully he'll be fine. <laughs> but, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's almost like people are just waiting on that too. Like hopefully he'll come back and everything be good. It's the, it's the, it's the whole like New Orleans is New Orleans will stay positive because they they have to be like they're just they've been through so much so they just stay positive until you know the poop actually hits the fan so they're just <laughs> waiting 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 and it's until like okay he's got to go yeah, you know it's just, just it's it's just that moment they'll, they'll endure they'll just keep enduring <laughs> until, until that moment of like all right it's not gonna work it's not gonna work uh, Zion Zion wants to leave now too already I heard I mean it's I don't even know if it's him. It's just people. It's just I don't know. It's like uh, I don't even know if I can get into that. Really, yeah, you don't need to. (laughs) It's just funny. You might have Michael Thomas and brought it to that. I was like, I forgot for a second. I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot. Yeah, I'm worried about Zion. That might that might be for another show. Maybe we have you on again. But okay. Throw it in there. I like the transition though. Transition a little bit NBA talk because I'm a I'm a little more of a casual watcher and fan of the NBA yeah. compared to you. Um, so you're a little more ingrained, but last show I started off with a, a, a ripping pretty much of the Lakers. And I called them what you would call a, a, a desperate franchise, a franchise that needs to stay relevant by all means. And a right. franchise that the brand has become bigger than the actual product. Okay. Before LeBron, they weren't very good. and the running of the team wasn't very good. And then they got LeBron. They weren't even good the first year with LeBron. And then they win the championship. I feel like a lot of us after this last season kind of think a little bit of an asterisk there, because if you don't have three months off for COVID, you really think AD and LeBron are staying healthy that whole time? Probably not. Probably not. So, but maybe I'm too harsh. What do you think about the Lakers and their acquisitions? What this does for them? Well, uh, the LeBrons is is what they're known as in the world. Like so, people. It's funny to me. People actually talk about the Lakers like LeBron is the coach and the GM and the assistant coach and the trainer. The way that we communicate about them is like, oh, LeBron, LeBron, LeBron wanted them. Oh, LeBron wanted them. Oh, LeBron <laughs> did this. Like nobody talks about the coach. Like I can't even remember his name right now because. <laughs> It, it's almost like he doesn't exist. It's just yeah. LeBron. LeBron. Oh, LeBron got them. Did you, I don't know. There was a thing on YouTube where they sh- uh, they were talking. Uh, LeBron like saying bye to his old teammates and saying hello to his new teammates, like the sketch. And it was funny. And 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 Kyle Kuzma is walking out. The guy who's playing Kyle Kuzma is walking out, and he says like, um, like, all right, Bron. It was it was cool. And the guy playing LeBron goes, "You don't call me Bron. My name's LeBron." like basically like you know you don't have the right to call me by a nickname you call me by my full name it's just like (laughs) it's just it's insane to me like so I'm I don't know like it seems like the Lakers have like an all-star team from like 2011 it seems like Mm -hmm. like like a 2k all-star team that you could have picked back when like NBA Live 
basketball was still a thing and it was a better game compared to 2K. And now it's like, I don't know, it's like NBA Live against 2K right now. <laughs> the Lakers NBA Live 2K team is, is, is Brooklyn. Mm, yeah, yeah. But, and you know, one of the reasons I didn't say, I mean, Carmelo, he can still contribute Westbrook. First off, to me, Westbrook is a good player, but he's not a winning player. Yeah. He's never won anywhere. He had, he had KD, he had James Harden, he still couldn't win, and they all wanted to leave. Yeah, I'm, I'm, at, the, at the end of the season, Westbrook was starting to look a little slow. Mm-hmm. Um, he does that so all the time, though. At the end of the season? Yeah, because he, he ball hogs too much, tries to do yeah. everything himself, and he, he wears down by the end of the year. Yeah, he's gone. He's going 100 miles an hour every game. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, his 90 mile an hour looks like 100 to everyone else. But you, you can tell like, OK, this car isn't running mm-hmm. exactly the same that it was early in the season. But I mean, LeBron's going to design some plays. I don't know. I think that's what it, they just basically needed a point guard that was going to attack more. Okay. I don't think they I don't think they thought Schroeder did enough aggressive attacking. Like, yo, LeBron's not in the game. Yo, LeBron's not feeling well. Go get some buckets. And I think that's what they want. They want that intensity from the point guard position to where he's just going to go get it no matter what. And LeBron wants to see that because that, that in, in the end, that hypes LeBron up. LeBron gets to watch that come back in the game. And he's like, yeah, like I'm ready to go now hmm. because my team just was balling. And I got this guy on my team who you know, is acting like he me. (laughs) So I'm going to like, I'm going to play harder now because he just made, he inspired me to to do more. Yeah. I feel like that's what LeBron needs. He needed that. And now he's got some guys that are just going to go out there and play like, you know, they're at the Y at 6 a.m. You know, because now that's what I I think they are now. They they remind me of of the older guys at the Y that are like there at 6 a.m. just trying to get a workout in before they go to work. It's like, you know, they're running plays and they're doing all this stuff. For some odd reason, they're making shots and they're not really going by you, but, you know, they're winning. Yeah. It's, it's, see. But, you know, part of my thing for why I didn't think it would work is this would be the last part we touched on the Lakers, but oh, no problem. we're seeing injuries starting to play a real big part of the playoffs. I mean, Giannis, a great story. They win, blah, 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 blah. But if the Nets don't fall apart, do the Bucks get there? I don't know. But so things are starting to kind of go into a war of attrition also. And right. I, this Lakers team, to me, you're going to lose that war of attrition. There's no way that these guys at their age or just their body type and medical history, like AD, that I'm going to think that this team is going to be healthy in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I guess it seemed maybe with a full off season, you know, maybe with a full off season, it will do you know, wonders for everyone's body and their health. You know, they got they got the youngest, oldest guy in the league and <laughs> and uh, the white the White Howard who's just still oh, you know, he's one of the oldest, but he's still he can still jump and block shots and give you effort like he's twenty one. But they have the oldest young player in the league in A D. <laughs> yeah, because he's he's a little he's a little I mean, I don't want to say he's brittle or fragile, but, you know, he's, he's just that that was one of the things that people used to say when he played in New Orleans. Like, all you got to do 
is just be more rougher with him and he'll kind of fold back. And maybe now that he's like, you know, gained a little weight, got a little more muscle, he's trying to be rougher, but it's not good for his body to be that guy who's moving around and bumping into people. And that's why he doesn't want to play center. Mm. He wants to play power forward so he can go against people that are a little smaller and use his ability to kind of rough them up more. He don't want to play against, you know, people like the white and Embiid and stuff all the time. That's too much bumping and mm. all those things. His body, you know, he, he sprouted, what is it? He sprouted like 10 inches or something crazy. Like he was in, in, in high school, he was six foot. Yeah. And, and then what one one two years went by he was all of a sudden like six ten. so <laughs> you know it's almost like he still hasn't adjusted to the fact that he's supposed to his body's supposed to be able to do these things but it just it can't it can't it breaks down mm, yeah. i'm glad you mentioned Embiid. we'll transition to the next thing ben simmons man ben simmons uh on the market as a diehard 76ers fan that you are, well, what, what is your reactions to that? And how he's handled it so far? Because it seems like he hasn't been very great with the organization now over the past couple of weeks either. But um, My reaction to it right now is unless I open my YouTube and there's a Ben Simmons story on <laughs> my scrolling page, I honestly am just keeping my brain away from the story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just keeping it. I'm seeing all these moves that other teams are making. And the Sixers has got to be thinking, we got to keep this guy because you look at what Chicago did and you're looking at what everyone else is doing. Everybody is building themselves to, I don't even know, like you just, the amount of talent some of these teams have now, it's like we, who, unless we get Dame Lillard, mm. we have to keep Ben. Okay. And if, if that's the only person that I would accept, and I don't even necessarily want to say that, but unless we get Dame Lillard, Ben Simmons has to stay a sixer. Okay. Wow. I don't think that's generally most people's opinions on that right now. So I'm that's, that, that's how I feel. Right. So that's from one uh, from one Philly team to the other, uh, I know you didn't. Oh, I, I can't remember. Did you say you did watch that preseason game or that that um, beat down that New England just just put on the Eagles? Just I was at a bar <laughs> with a whole bunch of people that were not watching the game. <laughs> so like people would see me stare at the TV and they'd be like, what's he looking at? And then they'd see Eagles and Patriots and then they'd be like, Oh, nothing's on TV. And so I'm like, <laughs> so I'm watching this game and you know, uh, our starting quarterback did not play, no, he didn't. but to see us have zero and to see the Patriots at one point have 32, you know, that wasn't a great feeling and it probably helped uh, my intoxication that day. Um, Cause I probably just ordered more drinks just to, <laughs> just to not think about <laughs> the Eagles season. Like as soon as Carson Wentz, as soon as our coach was gone and then Carson Wentz was gone, I, I literally just threw my hands up. Like I don't, <laughs> you know, I'll just I'll just kind of wait to see what what they're doing. If something big happens, I'll I'll pay attention to it. But if not, like I just don't want my heart hurt. And the Sixers have hurt my heart, and the Eagles are hurting my heart. And I just I don't have that much 
heart left, I guess, if that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> the Philly sports, uh, uh, you know, yeah, Corral, right. not, not to beat on it more, but we already have talked about this. I, I truly think because of uh, your front office, the way they like to meddle, uh, I think they hired a puppet head coach, and I do think the Eagles might be one of the worst teams in football next season. Yeah, let's tell, let's tell the people the people that listen to your podcast the the reason the re literally. So I was not prepared for anything Eagles when they hired our new coach, Nick Sirianni. Dom Dom messages me, and he's just talking about the coach and this and that. And I'm just like, no, I haven't seen an interview. And you said, don't watch it. <laughs> you said, don't watch it. It's not good. <laughs> so because of you, you set me off on the wrong foot of the Eagles. And I have not watched anything on the Eagles pretty much because Dom said, do not <laughs> watch what's going on in Philly. So my Eagles reporting is behind right now. No, that's okay. I, I like your Eagles reporting right now because but I haven't been able to bring up into the show yet, except for the until this episode is just how bad I think that Eagles team is going to be right now. Yeah. <laughs> so literally, you just put me on the wrong foot, and I was just like, "All right, I'm not even going to." Literally, every interview that pops up on my YouTube feed, I'm like, "Nope, I'm not. I'm not listening to them." Well, well your Phillies are, are preparing for a playoff push at least, so. That's that's they're cool. in the hunt. I mean, they're in the hunt. They're in the hunt. Phillies have, have not made the playoffs in a while, so that would actually be nice to <laughs> cheer for some baseball because I I haven't cheered for any baseball in a while. All right, well, Carl, let's go through this one, uh, this last one, real quick before we have to sign off, just because we have some time limits here. But I've thought about this. I haven't said it on the show or anything really. You're the only, you're the only person I've talked to about this. But if KD wins the championship with the Nets. The knock on him going to Golden State, he had to join a super team to win, blah, blah, blah. If he wins with the Nets, to me, it doesn't change the way we view him or his legacy at all because he just joins another super team. But what do you think? It seems like, so from my point of view and from what I've been seeing and hearing, it seems like after KD brought the Olympic team back and they won a gold medal, it seems like people have more respect for him now than before. Okay. It seems like, like all of a sudden now people are saying he's the best player in the world. It was always kind of up in the air. Who do you think is the best? Who do you think is the best? Now people have said, not Giannis, not James Harden, not LeBron, but KD. People are saying KD is the best player in the world. People are saying KD should be the guy with a 99 on 2K. Because mm. no, nobody in 2K has 99. The top guys have 96s, and then it's 95. Embiid's 95, and then LeBron, KD, uh, Steph Curry, Giannis probably are 96. Mm. But LeBron goes, KD should have a 99. Mm. Um, so it seems like... They're even saying like, oh, there's no pressure on KD to win this title. They're saying the pressure is more on James Harden. They're saying KD has two rings. Kyrie has one. They're saying, you know, James Harden is a guy who we say is the one of the best scorers to ever played a game. But he's what? He's about 32 or mm -hmm. older now. Also, yeah. Yeah. he don't have no ring. No, no rings. So... And the only time, and, and the only time he had a deep playoff run was with Chris mm -hmm. Paul. 
And then the minute and, Chris, then that, and the minute Chris Paul went down, they lost. Mm-hmm. And then when they oh, made the championship, people were saying, "Oh, he was a reserve for mm-hmm. the Thunder." Then, so he wasn't even like who he is now. Um, but I don't know. It seems like people have like kind of like gotten off of Katie's back now. After the Olympics, he had he just had that interview with uh, with um, Green, and they talked face to face about what everything that oh, happened. Down in Golden State, yeah. So I it saw seems that. like it seems like everyone is kind of like you know, Katie's a great guy. Katie's this. Katie's that. He's intelligent. He's smart. He's the best player in the NBA. Um, but maybe, maybe if they don't win it this year, then maybe that will change. Maybe it'll go back to Katie's not as good as we thought he was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, cause technically if he balls out, you can't really say anything, I guess. I don't know. Like I, Katie's so like quiet with the things that he does. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes you don't even realize everything he's doing on the court. Cause he's just like, he's just moving through smoothly and it's just like oh what he had five blocks i didn't even see that uh, i got you, you. know it's, it's, it's kind of crazy yeah so you think the olympics have kind of changed the narrative a little bit too and helps him with that i, I, I that. feel yeah i feel like the olympics definitely helped his legacy i got that well corral i want to thank you for coming on the show our first zoom caller my, my friend down there corral and uh Enjoy your time down there in New Orleans. Don't let me take you off the Eagles completely. At least can at least watch week one. You should. I mean, I'm going to be somewhere watching week one. Um, <laughs> all right, all right. I'm, I might be by myself just to make sure like people can't see the tears <laughs> and the pain. But I will definitely watch week one. If we if you know if we win first game, Eagles are going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> We go on Jalen Hurts taking us to the promised land. Uh, well, enjoy your time down there. I see you going out all the time. So enjoy it. I love that city. And uh, I'll, I'll see you face to face again come Halloween time. I'll be back down. Halloween time. Are you, you, you bringing the, uh, the Satan Santa Claus back out again? Uh, no, 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 no. We're going to have to go with something different. We're going to go with something different. That was, that, that was COVID Santa. That was COVID Santa. Oh, that was, oh yeah, COVID, COVID Santa. Santa. Yeah. It's, a horrible, it's a horrible costume. That's, <laughs> it was funny and you know it. COVID, it was funny, but COVID, it, was, it was too soon. Too soon. <laughs> that, those are the best ones. All right, Carol, have a good time. You know my family says hi to everybody up here, the friends. Right. Everyone, so. Good to see All you. Right, Thank so you much. so much for being our first Zoom caller coming on the show. And uh, we will have Carell on again sometime during the season. For sure to tell us what's going on during the football season down there in New Orleans. Thank you very All much, right. Carl. All right. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. So big thank you again to Carell Johnson for coming on the show. Thank you very much, bud. And from the Saints and the NBA talk, we will turn it back over to the Pats preseason and that stomping of the Eagles. And Jesse, I'm going to let you start this one off as we get into just if that shellacking means much at all. Thank you, Dominic. Well, uh, you already mentioned rapid fire news. It was a beat down at 35 to nothing. Total domination on both sides of the ball. Uh, Cam Newton looked pretty good. Mac Jones looked pretty good. The run game looked pretty good. The defense looked really good. It's almost as if you played a really bad team. You know, as much as I want to say, 
hey, I'm liking what I'm seeing from Cam Newton, and I'm really liking what I'm seeing from Mac Jones, and it's nice to see the running game, even Sony Michelle contributing, making some catches even out there. Had some bad hands those past couple years. Uh, you played the Eagles. You played the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFC East. North? What are they? I don't remember. I don't care. That division sucks. Um, uh, you think they're going to be one of the worst teams in football. I think they will certainly be one of the worst teams in football. Uh, you didn't even see, in terms of like the defensive side of the ball, you didn't even see their starting quarterback, Jalen Hurts. Um, this team is a disaster. And as much as I want to hype up what we saw, I think we all need to, I'm going to say it, slow our roll and say that was nice but let's play a real team do you have anything to add oh i have a lot i have a lot to add oh i have a lot to add on this one absolutely i'm actually i'm respecting you and happy but i thought you were actually going to be a little more hyped over that in favor of new england I really did. Oh, I really like what I saw, and I have it. It brings me a lot of questions, but in terms of what I saw, I know what I was looking at on the other side, and I don't think they'll be as quite as bad as you think in terms of the number they will sit at at the at the end of the season, uh, simply because they will also be playing three other pretty bad teams. I mean, one of them's pretty good, bad teams twice a year, and you'll maybe win some of those. Um, I think the one thing that could bail Philadelphia out is uh, this Dak Prescott stuff in in Dallas. And so who knows, you get one of those games against Dallas when, uh, who the hell is Dallas's backup? I don't even think they have a real backup. It's like Ben Gnucci or something. He he played like a year or two ago and he was awful in the time he played. They don't have a real backup. It's not like they have Andy Dalton anymore. I don't know who it is right now. So I think there's a good chance that, you know, the Cowboys trailing in every game and making Dak throw 50 times already with a bad shoulder. One of the games he plays against Philadelphia, Dak's not available, and Philly gets to win that game. Or maybe they have a game where Daniel Jones melts down and turns the ball over like five times, and Philly gets gifted another win. I think that's the only thing that saves this team. But I do think that they are possibly one of the worst teams in football, and as awesome as that all was, guys, I took from what I took from that game was more about Philadelphia than it was about the New England Patriots. I know... The Eagles didn't play a lot of their starters, but they played a lot of their second string guys. And I'm sorry, in the NFL, even when it's second team, second string, it shouldn't look that bad. That was bad. That was really bad. I take very little of that game. I like that Cam Newton at least was accurate on his, you know. He was slinging it. He was slinging it. some good throws. His only drop, um, his only incompletion, I'm pretty sure, was a drop, actually. So he was actually, I think he was pretty much perfect on his um, completions. Uh, I mean, on his throws, as if he should have been like nine of nine. So I do like that Cam at least looked accurate because here's the thing. There are certain questions we have with Cam Newton and there's certain questions that we have with Mac Jones. I can watch Cam against a bad team, be able to have a nice clean pocket. But if he's throwing the ball accurately, that still means something to me because our issues with him are all about accuracy. And sometimes they don't even have to do with if the pocket is muddy, if there's pressure, or if he's running. Just in general, the man can just be inaccurate. Do you know what Mac Jones looked like to me in that game? I felt like I was watching Mac Jones back at Alabama face a bottom-tier SEC team in Kentucky. I don't think that we have any... Here's what I mean. I don't think any of us had any questions that Mac Jones could sit in a clean, not-muddy pocket on plays that are designed and run pretty much perfectly 
and it didn't look like he had to go through his progressions a lot in that game. It looked like he needed to make one or two reads, and it was pretty much right there, and then deliver the ball from that clean, beautiful, non-muddy pocket accurately to his open target. That's basically what he did at Alabama. That's basically what he did in that preseason game uh, against the Eagles. So that's what I mean by that. Uh, I mean, yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> yeah. I, I rewatched the highlights this morning, and every Mac Jones throw they showed, he's just kind of standing there, throwing the ball pretty quick to an open guy. Yeah, there was some ne- there was some nice throws. He threaded some needles a couple times, but like he was not when he threaded that needle, he had all the time. In the Exactly. And that's not the real world in the NFL. And that's what I mean by it. That game means very little to me because it seemed like I was literally just watching him at Alabama again. The questions we have with Mac Jones are he's small, he's unathletic, and he doesn't have a special arm. So is he going to be able to thrive when the play breaks down? Or is he at least going to be able to maneuver in a muddy pocket in order to make the throws? Is he going to be able to throw off platform? when he needs to throw because the pocket has been muddy and have the arm strength to still get it to where it needs to be. Those are the kind of questions that I have with Mac. And then obviously we have the questions we have with every quarterback, which is how well and how fast can they go through their progressions? Right? Yeah, we play the Giants next week, so you're not going to learn that much more. I mean, if the Giants aren't playing their starters, Joe Judge seems like a little more old school, so I don't know if I have the Giants. I don't... We'll have to research this after the show. I don't know how much the Giants have been playing their starters. They're 0-2 in preseason, I'll tell you that much. All right, so that probably means they're not playing a lot of the starters. This is the Sean McVay. This, actually, this is the last week of preseason also, remember that, with the 17-week season. We have one less preseason That's true. game. Um, but this is the, the Sean McVay syndrome that has happened now, and actually, I agree with Sean McVay on this, but almost no one other than Belichick has been playing a lot of their first-string guys, like at all. So a lot of these preseason games, it's hard to get a gauge on anything. Even the ones that I want to freak out about, like Justin Fields in the first preseason game looked amazing. And I was I was, uh, I was, was all on the Justin Fields train. Yeah, but I don't think any team has uh, the turnover the Patriots are having. Because mm. they brought in a lot of free agents. That's and- a fair point. And a lot of their defense sat out last year because of COVID. Yes, like Hightower. Um, oh, there's another big one. I don't remember. I don't remember everyone who sat up, but Hightower was the really big one. Yeah, Hightower, Hightower was the bigger one that sat out. So that's the other thing to get from these preseason. These guys aren't playing a lot of their top players. Um, to me, the only thing that I got out of the Pats on the Pats side of the ball is it just confirmed to me again, that this team is going to be really about power football and running the football a lot. Um, and they're going to, I, despite whatever Cam wants to say at press conference or interviews, I don't buy for a second that if Cam jo- uh, Cam Newton... Cam Jones. I, oh, I think you did that already, too. Uh, I, I think Cam I, Newton, I think, no, I did Mac Newton. Oh, yeah, you did Mac Newton. That's right. If Cam Newton is the starter of this team, which I think we both are in agreement, and he will be, there's going to be a running element to Cam's quarterback play. They're just not going to... Why would you bother doing that in preseason? Why would you risk Cam Newton getting injured and why would you show other teams what you're going to do? So they're not going to have Cam run at all in preseason. To be honest, I'm tired of the Mac-Cam question because it's Cam. For day one, it's Cam. I'm more like... With seeing what I'm seeing from the running game and like, what are we... 
Like, who is going to be the supporting cast with these people? Because the running game looks good. Like, I know we played the Eagles, but J.J. Taylor looked good. Yeah. Stevenson continues to look good. And they look good in week one, too. Yeah, they did. Um, running the ball um, as well. So, you know, I think, you know, week one, snap one, Cam Newton will be getting the snap and standing behind him, or maybe next to him if you're doing shotgun, mm. I think will be Damian Harris. But, like, how much, like, you know, who else is going to be with him? I've seen almost no James White, and maybe they're just saving him. I think they're uh, saving him. Because uh, I, I don't know why you wouldn't use James White. Um, but in terms of running the ball, like, you have you have a lot of questions and options, it seems, right now. Hmm. And in terms of, like, the receiving, I think you still do have questions. You know you're going to have Aguilar out there. You know you're going to have Kendrick Bourne out there. Um, but... Well, that, they're still not explosive at the wide receiver position no, at all. No, no. And so, which is more reason why I think this is a better fit for Cam than it is for Mac. Yeah, so what do you because actually all those going to get out of the passing what, game at all? What are those beautiful, all those beautiful open targets that Mac has right now? It's not going to be like that in the regular season. Now, they've upgraded the passing weapons oh, definitely. from what they were last year. But you year. have no number one. But there's still not a ton of breakaway speed, and it's a lot of possession guys, especially with the two tight ends. And the two tight ends are very good. They're great. They're going to set up very uh, advantageous matchups and pressure the defense, which is the great thing about the tight end position if you have one who's athletic and can catch. But if we're talking about down the field, on the outside, on the perimeter, they still don't have that kind of guy. No, and um, in terms of actually those tight ends, uh, you know, we talked about it a little bit before because of fantasy. Uh, We were discussing fantasy, but those two tight ends, I think, are more about running the ball in this team than maybe catching the ball. Because you have two big guys. Uh, you know, you talked about how bad the Chargers line was in our little discussion last season. Yes. Um, so Hunter Henry was probably blocking a lot. And John Smith. They were, they were using him when they were when they were facing elite pass rushers, particularly elite pass rushers. Uh, they did this a lot against the Chiefs. Um, they would have Hunter Henry either stay in or delay his route out in order to chip that guy. So I think that was part of the reason for Henry's lack of, uh, not lack of, but drop of production in the passing game last year in San Diego. Yeah, but also... Los Angeles. John New Smith <laughs> came from the Titans, a team that uh, relied very heavily on the run last season because you have a guy like Darren Henry and a quarterback like Ryan Tannehill. So these guys are... They have the blocking side maybe more than the catching side right now hmm. yeah. in terms of tight end. But, but the fact is, it, but even then it's going to make them effective in the passing game because the fact is as long as we're pounding the ball like that, it's going to be very easy for those guys to get loose off play action. Sure, and I love that they, you have two they, of them. Yeah, because they can fake it as if they're blocking and then get out. And those linebackers might bite on that. Yeah, and here's a, well, you can. And by the way, if you, you could fake with uh, one, block with another. And, you could, but, and just but, switch off who is. But who. the minute we think that they're running, the last thing you're going to do is run at the tight end because why would you run into a block <laughs> if you're a linebacker? No, 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 no. you're gonna you don't want to run. No one ever wants to run straight into the guy who wants to block them. That's not how it works. Sure. So yeah, I get what you mean by that. But yeah, from there, everyone, slow your roll. All calm down, all right? Eagles are terrible. That's the thing I got from this. The Eagles, to yes. me, are, are just awful. I mean, roster-wise, I know the quarterback didn't play, but 
When I look at the Eagles, I look for some key things that I know that make a franchise horrible. You have a young, inexperienced head coach with a lot and a lot of track record. That's not great. You have you just booted a quarterback out of town for another quarterback that I don't think a lot of people have a ton of faith in. Though I know they were giving him glowing reports in training camp, but I don't really buy anything anybody says in training camp. And here's the last thing I look for just when you're a terrible franchise. Is the front office power hungry and meddling? Oh, it totally is in Philadelphia. Howie Roseman has his hands all over the day-to-day goings, and that's why they booted a Super Bowl winning coach out of town, and now I believe he has a puppet there. I thought that Super Bowl winning coach was very overrated, though. I don't think... I think he could be a little bit overrated, but I don't think he should have been fired. And I think a lot of their problems... I mean, listen, Doug didn't get to pick the groceries. Howie Roseman was picking the groceries, and that team got old and slow. And Doug Peterson didn't give Carson Wentz that extension. Howie Roseman gave him that extension. And this is coming from someone who's a Carson Wentz defender and likes Carson Wentz. But here's the thing. If you're not going to draft well... You can't also then pay your quarterback a ton of money. Boy, if you're going to pay your quarterback a ton of money, you better hit on your draft picks. And they did not hit on their draft picks. Yeah, but I never, I thought Doug Peterson would be fired because he, I felt like he lost control of that team. Mm. But there was a lot of locker room, there was a lot of locker room problems. Did he lose control of the team because it became obvious that he didn't have any power and Howie Roseman had the power? This is what I mean by you can't have a front office that's meddling. Because if if, if your boss if, if you're working for a boss, but he's not the boss, and he's being undermined all the time by the one ahead of him who shouldn't be undermining in the things that he undermines, what he says doesn't mean anything anymore to me. Especially if I can go to the other one. I Th- that's what I mean by that. I guess. I guess. I mean it depends yeah. It depends on the quite the situation that's a hard that's a hard question to answer <laughs> all right there's well, a lot of there's a lot of variables there are there are a lot of variables but anyway from that jesse i'm gonna turn it over to you to start uh start our new segment here call in the fat lady all right so this segment it's a new segment we're trying out is it time to for these topics to, to sing is it time that the fat lady is singing on these topics so the first one is the fat lady singing? Do you hear it, Dom, for the Mets? Uh, for the New York Mets, Jesse, the fat lady is totally singing. This team mm. has had a full, absolute collapse. They are 13-24 and 24 in the second half. Their offense was never even good to start with. I think most people believe that. They were hitting over their heads for a while. Um, but it's all come crashing down to earth. And now, unfortunately, with the Grom out, the pitching isn't up to par either. Uh, the rotation right now consists of Marcus Stroman, Carlos Carrasco, who's coming back from over a year off trying to pitch. And he's been good in flashes. He has also been horrible in other flashes. The other one, Taiwan Walker, who had a great first half. He's 0-5 with a 7.44 ERA after that. Uh, Taylor Miguel is the other one that they're going to, who's a kid. He's pitched pretty well, though. And lastly, Rich Hill, 5.06 ERA since joining the Mets. He has his injury problems, and here's the other thing everybody knows in baseball. If the Tampa Bay Rays are going to trade you a pitcher, do you know what you do? You run. You run away from that trade because Tampa 
always evaluates their pitching well. They are three for three in the last three. Rich Hill's going downhill since he got traded to the Mets. Blake Snell's been awful this year since the Padres got him from Tampa. And how did Chris Archer work out in Pittsburgh? When they traded Tyler Glasnow and Austin Meadows to the Tampa Bay Rays hey, for they, Chris Archer. They got him back, though. They did, the Rays got him back. They did get him back, yeah, for nothing. <laughs> and he hasn't played. No, nope, he hasn't played at all. So that's the other, man, it, anytime the Tampa Bay Rays as an organization come to you and say they're going to trade you this pitcher, you run in the other direction. New York Mets didn't do that. The Mets' middle of the order has been Alonzo, Michael Conforto, who's never consistent in hitting about 220 this season, and J.D. Davis. That was on Sunday. Yesterday, it was a little bit better, you know? They used Javi Baez. Alonzo, they put up to second. Then it was J.D. Davis and uh, Brandon Jury. Yeah, Brandon Jury. So anyway, I haven't heard in a while. Yeah, do you know why? Because he sucks. Because he was in AAA. <laughs> That's why Brandon Jury was hitting was hitting uh I think it was fifth yesterday for them. That's not good. And I know they're like, oh Jeff McNeil's usually the one who's playing there. Jeff McNeil's hitting two thirty five. So they said, oh crap, we just called up Jury sitting two ninety five. We better try this out. I don't care how bad your guy is. If you're using a guy who's been in AAA the past year and a half, two years to hit fifth, that's not a good offense at all. The other thing is, although the uh, s- the schedule has been kind of tough for them, they haven't taken advantage of the fact when they played bad teams. They had Pittsburgh and Miami. They've been five and five against them, and including uh, when they were the slide first started, they got to play four games against Miami. You'd think that would be a godsend. They got. I almost said something I shouldn't have. They got smacked around by the Miami Marlins in that anemic offense. They lost three of four games. They gave up on average six runs in those games to the Miami Marlins. So, uh, absolutely, Jesse. Uh, I think the fat lady is singing on the New York Mets season. Lowell Mets will continue uh, because that's just, listen, this is what the Mets do all the time. They get their fan base all hyped up and then they just drop the anvil on them. Led the division by three games out the break. They had led the division for 90 straight days, and now they find themselves six games out of a wild card spot. That's how bad it's gotten. All right, I'll turn it over to you for this next one. Jesse Caulfield is the fat lady singing on the Seattle Mariners season. I don't hear it. I don't think she is. Because they're just need a wild card spot. They're looking for that wild card spot right now. They know they're not going to catch Houston. They need to catch, right now, us. The Red Sox, if not Oakland. And right now, uh, Oakland is struggling. You said they have the hardest schedule remaining? Second hardest? Was it? Oakland has the second hardest. Yes. Um, and you have to catch the Boston Red Sox, who are struggling right now. Yes, they have a decently easy schedule, but... Uh, the Mariners have the 16th uh, hardest schedule remaining, which means you're technically the 14th easiest if I just did that math in my head correct. Mm. Um, I believe I did. And, you know, one of those teams you're going to face... I mean, you face the Red Sox three games. That's a team you really need to catch right now. But you face uh, Oakland, the team right ahead of you, uh, a whole bunch, including that's your second-to-last series at home, and you're also going to play 
the Los Angeles Angels, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. I love that name. It's so terrible. Um, a bunch. So I don't think they're saying you do have to play Houston a couple times, but like you're playing Oakland today. Then you go, you're home against KC. Uh, you're gonna go to Arizona. Arizona's then gonna come to you, like a week later. You play the Red Sox at home. That's where you want to play them. After they have to come all the way across, uh, across the coast. Uh, you play KC a couple more times, and you play Oakland a lot down the stretch. So no, I don't think they have a chance. And that's why she's not sane yet. She's getting ready. Because they have to, you know, fate is not totally in their own hands. But you are only three games back from the Red Sox for that second wild card spot. And heck, maybe the Yankees will fall apart too. And maybe you and Oakland can get in there together. Mm. Okay. So you think Seattle still has a chance? Absolutely. I am undecided on that. So we're going to move on to the next one. And it's funny. Literally just two days ago, I would have laughed at you and said, no, the fat lady is totally singing. And now I'm not so sure. What's well, the next though, one? With the NFL season right around the corner, it's time to ask ourselves once again, is the season over for the New York Jets? Is she singing for them, Dom? The fat lady is always singing on the New York Jets before even... She never stopped. Yeah, she never stopped singing for the New York Jets before their season kicks off. 100% uh, the fat lady is singing on the New York Jets season. If you haven't followed, they already have had a pretty significant injury already Carl Lawson their defensive end one of the better one of the only bright units by the way for the New York Jets is their D-line they actually do have a very good D-line Torres Achilles in a joint practice with the Packers he is out for the season you have a new head coach in Robert Sala a defensive head coach against a division that's stacked with good coaching and coaches that have been in their organizations now for multiple years you have a rookie quarterback with still a terrible offensive line, mediocre offensive weapons. I'm sorry, you brought in Corey Davis. I mean, I drafted him for my fantasy team because I know he's going to get a bunch of targets, but that does not make you a good offensive team. Poor quarterback, poor small Zach Wilson is going to get thrown behind a horrible offensive line, no offensive weapons. You face Sean McDermott and the Buffalo Bills, the Miami Dolphins under Flores, and Bill Belichick. You are out-coached, out-schemed, and out-talented in all three of those matchups that you have to play each of them twice a season. So that's... How many losses? I can't even do math. That's six losses. That's six losses. Before the season even starts, you can peg the New York Jets for six losses. The fat lady is totally singing on the New York Jets. This over organization's under, got nothing. Over under three wins. I'll give them four. Oh. I'll give them four wins. They had three wins last year, I believe. Did they? I think it was three. Wow. Jacksonville only had one, so. Okay. They only needed two. Maybe they'll get four wins. Maybe. Wasn't Sam Darnold hurt for a lot of the season last year? I don't remember. I mean, that matters. Sam was good enough to win some games, even though the team was terrible. You, you know, you're going to make that face, but <laughs> it, I'm sorry. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. If you throw him on the New York Jets, he's going to drown. That's how bad this organization is. They're going to ruin Zach Wilson, too. All right. Jesse, is the fat lady singing? On the San Diego Padres season. Ooh. Uh, that's a tough one. That might be the toughest one. Because I like this Padres team. I really like this Padres team. 
But right now, they're not playing well. She, I won't say she's singing, but she's taking the stage. Because right now, you are playing really bad baseball. And you still, you're going to play the Dodgers. And you're going to play San Fran down the stretch. Um, hardest hardest uh, remaining schedule in baseball is uh, the San Diego Padres. Okay, it was the Padres. I did um, it, I, by the way, I did it again. What? Oh, wait, no, 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 no. They're in San Diego. My bad. They are. I'm getting them mixed up with the Chargers. Oh. Yeah. So, uh, I'm sorry, San Diego. C- City of San Diego, you still have the Padres. They're still there. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you still have a team. Yeah. Uh, but, it, uh, but yes, you are playing bad ball and have a tough schedule. And the Reds are playing pretty good ball right now. And they have, they are, uh, they have very much a chance to catch you. No, they already caught him. Excuse me one second. No, no, no. The Reds, the oh, Reds, yeah. the Reds lead. Yes, they are. This is why we asked the question. I thought they were question. game behind. I thought they were game ahead. No, no, no. They this is why we ahead. asked the question. So San Diego has had a playoff spot all season until 24 hours ago when they lost. And the Cincinnati Reds passed them. Yeah, they're hot right now. And I like the Reds. I really like the Reds. Uh, yeah, I, I think they're a great team. They're a great offensive team. Um, you lack the pitching. But realistically, on paper, you have them beaten pitching. But all season, they have, pitching hasn't been good. No, San Diego. And it's showing no real signs of turning around either. No, and now the offense is drying up, and now you're just folding. Cincinnati's offense has been going all year long. It's just the pitching is finally yeah, coming not around. sucked. Yeah, they've, they called up a kid, uh, Vladimir Gutierrez, the Cincinnati Reds did, who's been pitching out of his mind since they called him up. So he's been a big boost to them. So, yeah, I don't, I won't say singing yet because you are still relying on the Reds to keep it going. And you are only a game out right now. So she's not singing yet. But Madame is on the stage. That's what I'll say. That's what you'll say. That's what I'll say. Okay. I think the fat lady is singing on the San Diego Padres. I I think this rotation, and I don't like being hyperbolic, but they have been awful for over a month now. Darvish has gotten hurt. Darvish is old. Snell's been bad all season. Chris Paddock's been hurt. He hasn't been good now in a while. I don't think they have the depth. The offense is still amazing, and they're not hurt. They still have Tatis and Machado and Cronworth and Hosmer and all those guys. I mean, not that Hosmer is amazing, but if you have Hosmer hitting six, that's a very good offense. And Tommy Pham. But I, I think the fat lady is singing on them because this this starting rotation has been like historically bad over the past month and a half. No one's playing well for them. Um, and I think despite the fact that it's only one game and the Reds are playing hot and we all know that no one can last forever, I thought the Reds had a decent chance of making the playoffs even at the start of the season. And I just don't see any real signs. Oh, I've liked the Reds' San- offense all season long. <laughs> no, I know. I, I don't see any actual signs over this long stretch, which is plenty of uh, plenty of data in baseball to see that there should be some sort of trend that changes. I don't see anything that makes me think anything is going to change for the San Diego Padres and that pitching staff. The bullpen hasn't been good either uh, down the stretch either. So I think that that lady is singing on the San Diego Padres. Okay. And that has been calling the fat lady. All right. Jesse, we're getting ready to wrap things up here. We're going to close it out real quick here with the weekly Tommy report. What has Tom Brady done this week? Well, he didn't play in the preseason game, that's for sure. And uh, he caught up with his old pal, Mike Vrabel, who they used to play together. But, but, 
all is not well with Tom Brady. Oh, no. Potentially. Because Mike Vrabel has come down with COVID, which has the Buccaneers fans freaking out that maybe Tom Brady could catch the Rona. Oh, no. Is he vaccinated? Is he not vaccinated? I don't know, Jesse. Do you know? Not a clue. Not a clue. But let me reassure all the fans in Tampa Bay. It will be okay even if he isn't vaccinated because Tom Brady isn't human anyway and the Rona ain't going to do anything to him. Uh, so that has been our weekly Tommy update. Thanks, Dom. Yes. And I will turn it back over to you, Jesse, for the Darwin Award. It's time to hand out some prizes this week. You ready? Drum roll, please. This week's Darwin Award winner is member of the L.A. Dodgers, Cole Hamels. Congrats. Yeah. You made... I mean, I'm going to say more of the Dodgers here. Yeah. And you know what? Congrats to Cole Hamels because you literally made a million dollars and you threw zero pitches for that team. <laughs> They're shutting him down. His arm hurts. 37-year-old Cole Hamels, who played one game for LA, for the Atlanta uh, minor league team last oh. season. Uh, he's done this season. He pitched hard. He pitched well. In that in that one throwing session. Yeah. And it hurt him. So congratulations, Dodgers. Yeah. You can throw another pitcher into the trash. I mean, you know, half that rotation is always on the DL to start every season. Well, I mean, not start, but halfway through the season anyway. But we all know they don't care about money a ton over there, and the Dodgers is still in a great place. But, yeah, you, you threw away a million dollars on a guy who threw one one throwing session. Yeah, he made a million dollars <laughs> for throwing a couple of, of pitches and then shutting yep. it down. Yep. So, you know what? It's definitely not Cole Hamels. <laughs> yes. It's the Dodgers. By the way, but wh- good for Cole Hamels. what if we find out, like, years later, it was all just a ruse by Cole? He never wanted to play. He, was, he, was, he had some debts. Uh, it, yeah, he had some debts. Or he just wanted to make a quick million. Maybe. So he fleeced the major league team into giving him a tryout. So then he could say, ah, no, no, the arm's not right. It's over. Yeah. It's over. I'm packing <laughs> it in for the season, guys. Thanks for the million. You know what? If he does it again next year. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be suspicious. I'm gonna be, I mean, I'm a little sus now that you said that. I know, right? You well, didn't even think of that, did you? No. But now. <laughs> Good for you, Cole. Good for you. For, for fleecing the, the richest team to just throw you, throw you a million like it's nothing. So... Congratulations to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Does he get a ring if they win? I bet he does. Oh my gosh. I hope he does. That would be the greatest ring of all time. I really hope you he does. You got the organization to give you a million dollars to throw one training session and then shut it down and you get a World Series ring. You know, That's I might probably want, worth more than a million dollars. I might want the Dodgers to win a World Series now just for Cole Hamels to get a ring for that. So congratulations to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Where can I buy that jersey? Oh, I know, right? Where can you buy that jersey? <laughs> they might have to start selling it to recoup some of that money. Yeah. <laughs> so congratulations to the Los Angeles Dodgers for you winning the Darwin Award of the Week. You did it. You did it. All right. That has been it for this Tuesday edition of Slow Your Roll. We will be back on Monday next week. Well, we'll be diving into whatever happens, you know, with the Red Sox over the week. More preseason and Tua and Miami. Are you saying, oh, God, because of the Sox? Yeah. (laughs) Thank you very much, guys, and have a good rest of your week.